Herman Melville. Herman Melville, yeah. I don't understand what that is. Yeah. That's, uh, that's another Melville. Shut up, the podcast is starting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Celluloid Breakdown. Okay. I'm Joey Bonnier. To the right of me is Mr. Sean Fall. Sure. And across the table is Mr. Derek Laporte. Hello. To the left of him is an empty chair. We're going to be missing Tim Snow, unfortunately. It's just the three of us today, gentlemen. Yes. We'll power through. We will. We'll so, survive. Derek, this was your pick, and we watched The Red Circle. Yes. Sir, can you tell us the actual title? Uh, I mean, Le Cercle Rouge. I'm sure I'm butchering it because it's all in French. No, I think I think that was good. That's it. And You're it's the closest by to a Frenchie we got. Jean Pierre Melville uh, directed this film. 1970. 1970. Melville. Yes. Very, very modern. I know. Very, very modern. We're going modern. Um, I will say it's equally as modern as the one that was the year before it, though. Um, because even in 69, these things, it still looked pretty, looks pretty good. He made Army of Shadows the year before this. But of course, that one, uh, as we have actually mentioned on the podcast, uh, that one was not released until much, much later because it was, uh, there was something, some, some deal with it was pro- uh, a certain French politician at the time, mm. which they were uh, not gelling with in France, so mm. they refused to release it. And it, I don't think it got a release until like 2006 or something. That sounds right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but that one technically was a year before this one. So it's good to see he was obviously still able to keep working in spite of the fact his movie didn't come out. You know? Melville got back on the whale. <laughs> get it? Get, get, see what I did? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go right into it. Derek, what's your first impression of this movie? Uh, so I will say that um, I remember the first time watching this and, uh, and, and being like impressed with a lot of the details and like a lot of the um, uh, some manners of the storytelling and the way that things are done. Um, this time, I, I don't think I'm as in love with it as I used to be um, after rewatching it. Um, I think that I, this used to be my favorite Melville film, like upon first watching of, a, a, of several. Uh, it may actually, if we are going through them now, it may be lower on the, the pole for me than, than uh, some of the others. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to uh, Sean. What do you think, Sean? Um, yeah, it's, you could probably cut about an hour out of this movie and it would be probably quite a bit better or at least more enjoyable. Okay. They actually did <laughs> do so. There, there is a 99 minute cut of this. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, uh, I believe there was a 99 minute cut of it. Uh, and then there's also another, another cut cut that's just a little bit longer than that 102 minutes i think is right the other on. cut so there's two other cuts uh before this one that we saw which so is, the, one, the one we watched was 220 if 220 I, so that's like 140 ish minutes something like that it's yeah. a lot of details yeah so quickly i'll give my first impressions i kind of agree with sean but not quite as harsh um 
you need to cut a lot here. But there's a lot of good stuff here. There's a lot of great sequences. Um, I like the spy stuff. I like that when they break into the bank, that's all fun. So there's some good moments. There's some good characters too. There's some funny moments. We laughed at a few things. I forget which exactly ones, but just some good scenes. Um, yeah, there's some longer, longer boring scenes. <laughs> but um, it's a mixed bag. Let's yeah. just say yeah. that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, decent, decent. Fun to watch, I guess. It was fun to watch with you guys, I guess, because we got to make some silly comments. Maybe too many, but yeah. it was fun. Yeah, yeah, I probably wouldn't have gotten through this on my own. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, well, um, <laughs> let's get to the the story then. Let's talk yeah. about it. So, uh, Sean, take us through the basic, uh, you know, the twos and the threes and the fours. Sounds like a guy with a lot of cats that likes to shave. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, we got a uh, a crime story here. Uh, some a guy is escaping from from jail, or a guy is getting out of jail at the same time. Another guy is escaping from custody on a train, and these two uh, basically kind of cross paths through a series of happenstances. Is that a word? Whatever. Yeah, uh, sure. Happenstance I. Uh, and their paths cross. Uh, the guy that's escaping from the train ends up in the trunk of the guy that just got out of jail. And he's kind of cool with it. And they, he gets them through a couple of checkpoints and they <laughs> become friends and they start going or start working on essentially a jewel heist. And the guy that ran away from the uh, train says that he has a cop friend that's like an ace marksman that can defeat the one trap that they can't get around and they can uh, uh, heist some jewels. Um, hijinks ensue and... Uh, Everyone dead. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, they do get the jewels <laughs> and then they yeah. get trapped by an inspector, you know, whatever his name is. Big, big nose. Yeah. I don't want to say big nose. It's, it's, crooked nose. That's Dick, Dick way nose. Worse. Dick Much nose. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah inspector Dick, Dick nose. Inspector Dick nose. <laughs> uh, he, he traps them and then, yeah, you're right. They all die. It's, it's sad. Um, yeah. It's Dar very French. There's, yeah. a, there's a thing too <laughs> where like- where like, because I was thinking about it, and I'm like, okay, so if, for instance, um, he doesn't, because the inspector is main, he's only after this escapee. Yeah. Initially, he's that's right. all he really cares about. It seems. Um, so I'm like, well, if they never cross paths, uh, would the the yeah. main guy Elaine Delon be okay but i don't think he actually would be right because he would have been killed by those guys get like that pulled him over and got in the car oh, to right. take the money back wait, wait, so he would actually be dead oh he would have been dead wait yeah. were they trying to kill him yeah, yeah. They, they were they, they were, were going to kill him and they were going to kill him yeah yeah is that is that po are you positive yes he oh. was getting whacked off okay cuz they said to him like end of the line yeah, I said. mean, they did take him out into the woods. Yeah. They didn't, yeah, they're not like into the line. Here's the lollipop. By the way, I know? told him while he was driving. Not, <laughs> yeah, I talked. I yeah. talked to the characters he on screen. screen. Yes, yeah. I do. I'm sorry. Don't go guys. in the barn. He he shouldn't have driven down that that road. <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Well, yeah, you, you you know where you're driving. It's just you know. If a mafia guy points a gun to your head and says, "Drive down this lonely road," don't do it. One fight off, do something. One is ending now. One is buying time and stalling for an opportunity. Now is like, smart because yeah. now he's not expecting it. 
I mean, yeah, but you got like if a gun is right in your face and the other guy's in the back seat, you have got, the, if you're driving, Sean. Oh, the other guy was in the other car. Though, you're, so he's was, driving, right? Mm, the advantage yeah. is slam on the fucking brakes. I mean, that's that's one of those things that I feel like works in movie theology more than it works in real life. I don't know that the guy necessarily goes flying through the window like we we hope he would. Sean, <laughs> in my fantasy, you have yes, it does. He goes through the the yeah, okay, exactly. And the gun drops into my lap. Exactly. Yeah. And then I point at the guy in the back seat and I yeah. say, "Sorry, bitch. It, uh, Joey's really? taking Joey's taking over." That's your line. I, that's what that, I thought that, of right now. That's your cool guy. The action. guy in the back seat. Who was was it there a guy in the back seat no, too? No, it's it the other car. Yeah. Oh, he's in the other car. Okay. Yeah. There was two dudes. Yeah. yeah. So okay, I pointed at the other guy and then said my cool line: "Your luggage," or uh, consider that a divorce. Consider that. Oh, have a you divorce? heard these before? Yeah. No. I'm just stealing Schwarzenegger lines. Oh, okay. Guys. Okay. All right. Anyways, All let's right. move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, in the in the moment, wow. you would come up with one though. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. I would just, have a good one. Wait, I, so I'd be like, okay, um, follow so us. you would wait. Okay, oh well, yeah, uh, I'm gonna cross the Maginot line. We'll see you, something French. This is the thing you're not getting is he was trying to think of a line while he was driving to the forest, and he just couldn't come up with one yeah. before they got to the forest. He's like, God dang, why does forest have to be so close? Yeah. Right. I was almost there. You I can't was reach close. for the gun until you have a woody retort. That's but yet, if he took a few more improv classes, maybe he would have survived that encounter. Yeah, but I, they probably didn't have improv in jail. Not in that, not in that prison, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't see- French prisons see aren't much. that nice? They don't have yeah, improv they, they classes? They have mime classes. <laughs> Which didn't, which didn't really help out no. in this situation. No. Well, he, it, he tried to convince him there was a glass box in between them, but it didn't work it out. It helped him work silently. That's true. Yeah, that's true. they were they were cat burglaring. Yeah. What do you true. think the nicest thing, the nicest job in a French prison is? Mm. The tickler. Well, I'm gonna guess making the bread. <laughs> tickler making the bread. That's I was gonna, gonna say that's good. I was gonna say yeah. wine taster. Is there a wine taster? <laughs> I don't think so. There's got to be a wine they're not, taster. They're not going to like have wine there and then be like, this is not good enough to give the prisoners. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, what is are they- everyone worried they're being poisoned by another king? Like- Possibly. <laughs> but if you're going to get, who are you going to get to taste your wine? A prisoner. That's I, true. I guess. Yeah. I if guess. you're the warden and you're just like paranoid, so you have to. You're the the Andy Dufresne of wine. If if you are yeah, if you're scared of getting poisoned by wine, Andy Dufresne is your man. That's true. He appreciates the wine too. <laughs> yeah. So it's not getting wasted. Plus he can do your taxes. Of course. <laughs> Andy Dufresne was really helpful, except for the fact he was planning on escaping the whole time. Well yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean It's always good until it's not. That warden was pretty nice to him. He's okay. a nice guy. I, what's funny is I actually would compare the warden, if we can get back to the, the show here, the movie, uh, to the IA guy, the internal affairs yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. reminding me a lot of the warden from Shawshank. Just yeah. got a job to Right, do. all men are guilty. Yeah. Just yeah. all these guys are fucking horrible <laughs> right. who let them all die. Right. That was his big, big, constant refrain. Um, and I think that was, that was the overall... Uh, moral of the story if the, i can say that Derek, for the most part kind of it's I the mean, last line of the movie the the thing is is that they so they kill let me see so he kind of doesn't directly but inadvertently kills a guy and in, kind of near the beginning right in the pool hall thing 
Uh, I think it's the other guy. Inadvertently because yeah, self-defense. Well, but I think the gun isn't the gun in the other guy's hand. I thought it, he did that on purpose. I, I thought he was like James Bond-esque. Just I'm so good that yeah. I can pull it out of your hand and yeah, hit maybe. the other guy with yeah, it. Yeah, that, that maybe. I, that's what I thought it okay. was at the moment. All right. Well, well anyway, way, he hit him he with the cue, uh, the, the pool cue. Yeah, yeah. So he's killing dudes. He, yeah, he he killed like they killed three people. Plus, he was also right. in prison for something. Yeah. I don't well, know, we don't but, know what. But it, Robbery? Was, I guess it was robbery, right? Because it was some like it was something to do with the other guy who was with well, his girlfriend or whatever in the Yeah, but it's still like mafia related. It's that mafia dude related. He probably like, hurt people. Let's let's just say that. It's mafia related. But but um but I mean the the level like okay, so they do that and then they kill the two guys who were going to kill them. They don't That's okay. Those are bad guys. Kill, Those are like, mafia. For instance, guys. they don't kill the guard. There's the one guard there, and they don't actually kill him. To kill that's real people? true. No, that's so, true. They tie, they tie him up and put tape in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So so that special gag tape. So is it like because it ends with them running away and getting shot in the back? Two out of the three of them. You know, uh, it's very interesting what the movie's take is on it actually, because it yeah. does seem to just say "fuck these guys, they're all guilty." But yeah. you do feel bad when they die. Yeah. I was. Uh, Yelling out, you guys didn't apparently didn't give a shit. <laughs> I was like very upset every death, saying no out loud. You guys yeah. were just like, hey, okay. yeah, no, yeah. We knew he, we knew they were gonna die. They're, they're French. We saw the handwriting on the wall. I thought maybe ones would survive. I, I, thought, I thought I thought Jacques Bond would survive. There's not enough tree coverage. If there was more tree coverage, they wouldn't be able to shoot them. You know, like in they didn't the zigzag. Thing. They did not zigzag. That's true. Same yeah. problem that that, that that kid in Game of Thrones said. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The what? other brother. Also, that Jocelyn. one dude took a long time to fire back with his gun. He just held his gun out while running. Yeah. The guy with the fu- you know, fussed hair. I forget his name. Delante. Have you ever mm. tried to shoot while ru- shoot backwards DeLong. while running? Of course, Sean. All the time. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. Actually, I'm pretty damn good at it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. I mean, living in LA these days, it is a useful skill, but really useful. Yeah. 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 Corey, what a name for the main guy, huh? Corey? Is that yeah. was his name? It was, yeah. Kind of, it was kind yeah. of like, it's weird because the rest of these names are like last names. Like they, they're first names, I guess, that are like, sound like last names. But Corey is like <laughs> so weird of That's a name. That's just a dude from the suburbs of Baltimore. Right. Yeah, it's Corey Feldman and Corey Hain. That's... Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, him and him and Rico. Those are the only people that seem to have like first names in this in this thing. Because then the other guys are Jensen and Vogel, which is I believe their last names. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Have yeah, to yeah, be, yeah, right. Yeah, Vogel's the last name. Yeah, but um, well, okay. Let's talk about the location a little bit. I really loved all the sets and all the the production design. I thought that was fantastic. That was really gorgeous. Yeah. Like the just Marseille. I didn't, I never seen Marseille like that. That was really cool. Cause it's always Paris in every French movie to be perfectly mm. honest. Uh, so that was cool to see a different city. <laughs> Honestly, it was cool. It was just like different. Uh, I felt like it was older. There was like more uh, little corridors. No? It's all Greek to me. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, nice. honestly, I wouldn't know the difference between Paris or Marseille. Is that where we were? Yeah. Marseille okay. is like a Southern beach town. Okay. I would guess it's the, LA of France, if that's fair, that's not really fair. <laughs> yeah, um, I liked I liked a lot of the like um, 
Well, the, the alcoholic guy, Jensen, right? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. The, we had to talk about The interior him. of his, that, his room, that wallpaper and the door that doesn't, like the seamless door kind of thing, that was like really cool. Like, and he also had the trunk that you really liked. The big, there, the oh my big, God, there was a lot of stuff I liked. I, I yeah. liked the lamps, man. I want all these lamps in my apartment. So weird. Yeah. It's an, it's I'm an odd sorry. Lamps They're nice. Good. They're nice lamps. Yes. They look good. They give off nice light. <laughs> they look like They really something. tie the room together, Sean. <laughs> they look like things that would be in grandparents' houses. Like, it's just. So weird. what? Weird. Those like, are coming back around. Some of grandparents, Grand, grandparents, grandparents lamps. People you, you are got a problem with my that shit now. So my, it's my, becoming my, in fashion again. Sean, if I, you know, if you met my Bubby and Pop Pop, you know, <laughs> not a lot, but you know, they would love you as long as you didn't talk about politics. <laughs> <laughs> and then they wouldn't. Yeah. You know what? My my Pop Pop might like you a little bit. Yeah. Because he would hate to pay taxes and shit. He would just complain about that. So. <laughs> there you mm. go. You guys would bond over that. Taxation is theft. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's talk about some of those main actors. Uh, we have the two main ones, you know, the two criminals, if you will. Yeah. Um, De Delonte, which is the um, the guy who escapes on the train. And then Delone? Mm -hmm. Are their names uh, really that similar? So it's Volante. Oh, sorry. Volante. Volante. Uh, like Gian or Gian Maria Volante. And then Elaine Delon is the- Okay, Delon. Is the, Delon. Uh, Corey with I the mustache, the names, yeah. mustache guy. Volante and Delon. Yeah. So Volante isn't as well known as the two other actors in it, the Elaine Delon and, and of course, Eve, Eve Montand. Um, Elaine Delon is kind of, uh, I guess at this point, probably a French sex symbol, so to speak. Uh, that was clear also from the behind the scenes interview we read about him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, was that the guy that uh, all the dancing girls were trying to get with? No, he just had one. Mm. He just had one that he would frequently um, take had, take breaks with. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Maybe he more. was in like uh, he's he'd been in some films before this. Like um, he played uh, uh, Ripley in uh, Purple Purple Rain. Noon, I think it's called hmm. the character and from Talented Mr. Ripley. You know, oh. he played that character in in that film. Back in, I think that's early 60s. Um, and then, yeah, and he, he was in uh, The Leopard, which was like an in, international thing with uh, uh, Burt Lancaster, I believe. Um, okay. So he, he was kind of, all, and then, and then, so he's uh, been some Hollywood even movies. Melville's, even Melville's film, uh, uh, the Samurai, like Le Samurai, um, he was the lead in that. And that was like three years before this. So he was pretty, pretty popular international because of that. And one other that's really uh, notable is, of course, uh, uh, Le Clis, um, which is a Antonioni film that he was in also with Monica BT. Biography um, of John Cleese. Had to bring uh, it up since it's got Monica. Sean, what did you think of Alain Delon? Honestly, I thought just all of the acting in this movie was wooden and samey. Um, I had a real hard time telling characters apart other than mustaches and hair. Uh, acting all seemed to be just kind of like serious, humorless dicks. Like there was just kind of very little nuance to any of them. Like there was one moment of new, or I guess like, 
I don't know, affable characteristic when the the guy that escaped from the train as they were walking in to steal the jewels, they pass a statue that is bare-breasted and he cops a few on the statue. That was like the one moment where I saw like some sort of like difference in characters kind of coming through in these people. Other than that, everyone just kind of seemed to be the same person with like a different assigned role in life. I, I'd for the most part agree. I think that for me, Yves Montan stands out kind of Which one is a he? little the different. Marksman? The marksman yeah. guy. He actually, at least he has- He has a character arc or development. He has some sort of development. He has- <laughs> He, he sobers up. <laughs> it se- yeah. And it seems to me that the, that the actor is doing something other than just being a cool guy. Mm. Uh, the rest of it's kind of cool guy acting. Yeah. yeah. Um, which- uh, is is one of those things which is kind of probably a fault for a lot of a lot of the acting in Melville yeah. films is they tend to they tend like especially this and the samurai they tend to like play it very cool you know you know what's really funny is I think that it is a lot of casting and it does you know the, the writing too but it, you know when you cast maybe two guys like that two young guys they're going to be alphas or competing mm-hmm. over the alphas and that means like offset and onset they're going to be kind of doing out trying to outdo each other i think that leads to this ultra macho stuff onset and obviously offset with delon and you know with the women as well as the other guys but i think that um yeah it, it just becomes kind of james bondy a lot they they're trying mm-hmm. to do that it felt like a, especially with delon he mm-hmm. tries to do James Bond stuff. Um, an interesting thing while we're on the subject of Delon is there There was a year before this kind of a bit of controversy surrounding surrounding him because uh, so in 69, um, uh, the swimming pool, he was in the swimming pool. His uh, friend and bodyguard- Is that uh, a movie or just like that's his a friend's movie. house? That's okay. a movie, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, his friend and bodyguard, uh, Stephen uh, Markovich, was found murdered uh, in a dumpster near Paris. When they were doing the police investigation into this, it revealed allegations of like sex parties, which involved Delon uh, and members of the government, <laughs> including uh, George Pompidou. Whoa. And who, whose wife, Claude Pompidou, was allegedly the focus of a series of compromising photos at one such party. Um, there's also, uh, this also involved uh, uh, Corsican crime boss Francois, uh, Francois Marcatoni, who was a friend of Delon's, was also inspected in involvement in these, these sex parties. So, <sighs> wow, that line is a lot bigger now, by the way, in that movie about the Corsican. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's crazy, by the way, that yeah. he was involved with all that stuff. Yeah. You can imagine, though, probably, uh, I mean, at this time, I just, I, there's a lot, obviously, there's a lot of money around anybody who's like an international star at that time. And he was the kind of the it guy of that moment. I would say that there, there, he he was on par with kind of Mastroianni that we saw in, in the, in the other film, uh, the the um, the film, jeez, uh, not uh, not like Cleese, it's the other one, uh, whatever. The Samurai? No, no, no. We the one we watched with Andrew on this years ago. Room with uh, something. Oh, wow. I'll the, look it up later. We did but, the room. 
No, we we saw a film Room. with I don't Marshallo. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, but he is the equivalent of that in in France, right? So he's like this kind of big international star. So I I just assume that obviously, like in you know anybody who has a lot of money is trying to be close with him and friends and everything, you know, which will lend itself towards uh Corsican mob, I guess. It felt a little, <laughs> um, okay. So, so Corsica is obviously an Island, uh, you know, and that's why, and it's next to Italy, you know, right above Sardinia. So it's right in the middle of Italy, you know, in the Mediterranean between Italy and France, but France claims that's where Napoleon's from. It's where a lot of people are from that, you know, French kind of territory, but it's obviously their names are Italian. I, I would guess that like, it's got Italian roots. So it, it's almost like the way we kind of like treat like New Jersey, you know, in the Sopranos, it's like, oh, it's, they're the mafia part of our, mm. you know, uh, oh, is he Corsican? Oh, he's probably involved with the mob kind of thing. Mm. You know, it's the way we would probably treat Italians or something. Mm. Is he from South Philly? Oh, probably he's involved with the mob. Yeah. He never, um, so Sorry, DeLon- that was, that's a very local reference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> DeLon never kind of broke out into the U.S., even though he wanted to, and especially with like this film. During these years, he was trying to become a big household name in the U.S. and just didn't, didn't, didn't ever really happen. Yeah, I agree with kind of Sean here that I think that he was not, uh, not something special. He was okay. He's fine. Um, He's an attractive man. I guess. Right. He's okay with them. The the mustache is throwing you off. Probably if we watch him in like, if we ever get to Purple Noon, for instance, you're going to be like, oh, that's a good looking man. That's what you'll say, Joey. I guess. Exactly those words. Whatever. I mean, he's still just kind of, he's kind of short. He's just average looking. Well, it reminds me. uh, I don't know. I I think he's good looking. He's just not great. He's nothing special. Who's the dude in Drive? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of reminds me of that. Mm. That like, you know, you you pick any sort of fairly good looking person, tell them to shut up and stand there and look smart. And, you know, it's it's going to get done. And I guess that's what he thought. He thought he was Ryan Gosling, mm. which makes a lot of sense. It's, it's actually very similar because there's like moments of extreme violence too, yeah. just like in Drive. With no emotional impact. Nope. Yeah. And he is like a recovered, not a recovered, he's a criminal who's just cool with just- Yeah, I think we just, we have no idea how hardened of a criminal he is. It's pretty fucking hardened. Well, I mean, from like the intro where we don't have any backstory. So like, other than the fact that like, he just kills someone and walks away and doesn't, you know, buys a car. Like that, yeah, yeah, we can infer a lot, but we don't know exactly like, you know, if-, if we're not sh- not necessarily sure if that's the first time he had to kill someone or if that's, you know, the 188th time he's killed someone this week. I feel like he's also got a lot of Han Solo-esque, um, George Clooney from Motions 11 kind yeah. of. Mm. He's, got, he's a scoundrel. He's a smart smart talker, smart talker vibes. You know, that's he, what it was supposed to be. I, I think, yeah. I don't think that came through though. No, they couldn't quite decide because he was, at some parts he was an action hero, at some parts he was the slick talker. Yeah. So mm. that was kind of strange, but you know they wanted him to be everything. They could have split it up a little bit better, I think, actually. And the fact if that they I, had maybe like ten more people. Well, I mean, just between him and the other dude, the Han Solo esque ruffle hair dude. Yeah. What do you think of him, Derek? What's his name again? Volante. Volante. I thought. You know, I mean, I. He's fine. <laughs> again, it's just trying that, to be an like, alpha. I, it's, yeah. I got a lot of macho vibes from him. Yeah. 
Which is weird because like there's that one what? scene where Try to be macho? No, it's just macho. the way that you said that. Like I get a lot of macho vibes from him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, I say that in the most beta yeah, exactly, way possible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like I don't like the way he looks at me. I like don't that. like when the alphas are good. No I don't awful. like when he makes eye contact. Don't, don't let me make eye contact. <laughs> he fucking I gotta looks look down. down the barrel of the lens. Fuck that guy. I gotta look down. That was, that was, the was Delon. Oh, that was Delon. Like, and but, the um, dog. The dog does it too. Yeah, the dog does it too. Yeah, <laughs> poor, um, poor dog. What's yeah that 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 weird scene? Like after he comes out of the back of the trunk, and like they're just staring at each other, and we're doing like the the whip <laughs> zoom in or shit. <laughs> what was he thinking? That was I, I don't so know. Awkward. He was looking at the director, waiting for his cue to get out of the car. Like they were acting, 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 and then he just locks onto the camera. And he's like, "What else do you want me to do?" The camera stopped moving. He told me to get out of the car when the camera stopped moving, but. You didn't give me the signal yet. Can I go yet? Can I go? Okay, I can go. Uh, oh, I agree with what you were saying there. I just, <laughs> I was thinking- um, You were thinking of, of the trunk shot of thing. Of the trunk shot, yeah, what Derek was saying, when about. they jumped out and they kept doing the close-ups on each other. Oh, the yeah. fucking good, bad, and the ugly. It, but it did, the, the, yeah. the problem with it is, is it's so, it's trying to be so butch that you get like- as if there's something else going on yeah. there, like sexual. Yeah. It comes off like super sexual. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and he grabs his balls. Yeah. <laughs> and tweaks his nipple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's patting search- him down, dude. Mm. He's searching for a gun. Yeah. That's where Get you it. keep it. You keep it in your nipple? Yes. <laughs> yes. Either there or the balls. One or the other. Uh, Check your tank. Yeah. I keep one in both. <laughs> That's the ball holster. <laughs> Everybody knows about that one. He already took the gun. He knew he kind of probably didn't have one, but yeah. Yeah. he was just making sure. He had yeah. two guns. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's two true. stolen guns. And then they get two more yeah. right after that. They had four guns in the trunk. It's a hell of a video game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So I think that let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into the story. Um, were you did you were you satisfied with the ending, Sean? Just the, the way they died. Was I mean, it, was that kind of what you thought? I mean, you said that you know that was going to happen, but was yeah, that? Yeah, I, I guess I was more just happy it was over. Like, okay, it, you know, I didn't like. I I guess I expect from a French film that we're not going to have a happy ending, and we're not going to you know ride off into the sunset. So it is kind of um, almost just part of the genre that they're going to die. So I just kind of had accepted that for a while. Um, I didn't, I didn't find it a satisfying death though. It was very, it seemed like it was just kind of rushed and, you know, thrown on. I thought the inspector was going to eat it. I was surprised mm. that he did not catch a bullet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I thought he was, you know, he, he was set up for, he was, you know, saying goodbye to his cats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye, cats. I mean, I thought that was what the cat scenes yeah. were for, to give him a little character development when he came, when he died so we could have a little empathy for him. But no, I think for no. shit about him. Yeah. Dr. Dick knows. I'm sorry, investi- investigator. Yeah, investigator. I mean, he could have totally Detective, died Detective. because Detective. he was caught holding both of the things at gunpoint. Like, the guy could have just shot him right there and killed him, but didn't do that. Like, kind of spared him and then, you know, and then yeah. didn't get spared himself. That's for sure. I'm going to be honest, I did not like the ending. It, it was yeah. very annoying to me. Yeah. Um, and I did agree that there was going to be some death. I thought there was going to be a gun battle. I just thought someone was going to get away and, and there was going to be some sort of, I don't know, moral, something yeah, besides just- Yeah, that's the just, big thing that was missing yeah. for me is 
any sort of moral conclusion or any sort of thing to say. The the it's thing very this movie nihilistic. Said, yeah, exactly. This movie just says, yeah, life sucks. Fuck you. Everyone's a criminal. <laughs> it, absolutely. I mean, and I, I don't know if I'm cool with that. I mean, I guess I- I'm cool with that in my personal life. I just don't want to watch movies like that. <laughs> I can't agree, kind of agree with that, unfortunately. That's, I mean, that is my political view, but that is not what I seek in entertainment. Yeah, mm. just like, why are we watching this if none yeah, of this matters exactly. kind of thing? Nope. Um, the characters we love just kind of died very quickly and just, you know, fall down and ate it and just- Died into like right. you know into some grass and died. The the naked chick never came back or oh wow. meant anything. Oh my god! I completely forgot there was no love interest. They must have cut her out or something. We well, there was a yeah. big deal where she was fucking the guy that he was You're coming right. to, and then nothing comes of that. And like just gave it was wow. just like an excuse to show yeah. a naked. Holy chick. shit! I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a that, huge red herring. Yeah, it, and it was it was a big subplot too because there was the whole picture thing and they kept building it up and the pictures were left in the safe and like there's like this whole fucking and it's just like no life sucks. Don't trust anyone. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. What the fuck? All that, that all weird. the buildup with the pictures. Yeah. What the? What was the point? Yeah. No idea. Yeah, because that guy comes <laughs> so, back. It was a lie. Like, After later, two hours but, of a movie, they couldn't fucking fit it. In. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that guy comes back like a little later in it, but yeah, there's no there there's there is no resolution to that. So it kind of feels weird that that was. That was and especially because all we got was gratuitous nudity yeah. from her too. His the the thing I will say about Melville's endings is they're almost always kind of weak. The only good one that I can really remember uh, as being just a good ending in general is uh, uh, I think it's Bob the Gambler, the, um, which is one of his early ones. I think it's like fifty nine or something. But mm. um, I prefer the sequel when he's the builder. <laughs> Bob, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you like Bob the Builder better. Um, yeah, but, uh, uh, so, so he usually like the, even in the samurai, like the, to me, the weakest part is at the end, you know, but, um, easy with spoilers. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying the end is weak to me. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. That doesn't mean anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that there's always a tendency for that. Like, the best parts of these films for me is. Sometimes his focus on, he has almost like a, I want to compare it modern day to like a Ridley Scott detail focus. You know mm -hmm. how Ridley Scott movies very much always focus on the, like the little, little intricacies of like little tiny details. Like I remember that movie, have you guys seen The Counselor? It's no. not a good movie. I, <laughs> um, I don't like it. It's not good at all. But clearly Ridley Scott in that movie felt that the most important focus for him was exactly how someone would die in a given situation. And so, so like the, the most thought out sequence is that, and that's the only thing you remember after you see it. I'm not mm. going to spoil anything, Weird. but like a certain death in that, it's like the only thing you remember um, because of that detail focus, you know, um, which is good in some regards and then bad in other regards, because obviously you're, you're, you know, there is a lot of, lot of characterization not going on here, right? We're watching someone shave. Yeah, we're watching. Yeah, we're watching someone shave. I, I mean, I think that the reason for that is to try and give some level of humanity, but I think it could be probably done oh, a little better. That was the least egregious um, example of that. Yeah, but yeah, and yeah. 
And I think that the most interesting thing that happens with that guy is when the kid uh, attempts to commit suicide. Um, and he goes back and doesn't tell that guy yeah. and picks his words very carefully of what he he says, <laughs> right? Because the, the guy's like, you're not going to let my son go, are you? Kind of thing, right? And so yeah. he doesn't want to say, oh, no, because he, he's going to be at the hospital. You know, he may be dying. Right? We don't know. But uh, he may be dead for all we know, actually. Yeah. We think since he says, uh, send him to the hospital, that he's not dead. But he's got very good bedside manner for a detective. Yes. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah. Uh, he is he is kind of the hero of the story. Can I say that? Is Dr. Dicknose? I don't think there's any heroes, yeah. really. I think, again, the focus is on the procedure right, and, there's no heroes. and like, uh, like a grander philosophy, so to speak. It's not necessarily- no, But the philosophy not, is just everyone's guilty. Yeah, and yeah. it's not, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's a- profound philosophy but i am saying that, <laughs> that it is on focus. that that concept right like very much everything is across like this blanket theme mm -hmm. that he's trying to go with here which is that i i don't know that he in the end do you think that everybody's guilty do you think that that's what the film is saying that it's saying yes that's the case or 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 no honestly i don't even think that that's like what it cares about it's more just like the it's whether or not they're guilty, like this is going to happen. It's just kind of the, like you said, the nihilism of it all. Mm. Yeah. And I, go ahead. No, no, you go. Ahead. No. Yeah. And I was going to say too, the, the, the fact that there's so much focus on these details, right? Like uh, all these are, uh, it's like almost like every action is a guilty action. Is that maybe what it's trying to say? Like, because like, for instance, at any point, they could have turned around, like when they're cutting the glass, they could have turned around and said, yeah, we probably shouldn't do this. We shouldn't. Because there's so many signs that this is going to go south. I would say they made the pact when they smoked the cigarette together. Right? Yeah. That was when they decided, we're, we're, it was like the Thelma and Louise mm -hmm. moment. You know, mm -hmm. we're in this together. We're going to go all the way. We're going to commit the crimes so, to be damned, whatever. Yeah. At, at that point, like after that, everything is just kind of tedious like yeah. mm. i don't feel like it's re-emphasizing or like you know I, like at one point you mentioned it was building tension which i i could kind of see but like there is definitely a point of diminishing diminishing returns when it comes to tension there is a a point where you know uh just like the opposite with comedy where you know if you keep doing it it stops being funny and then it can start being funny again and then it stops being yeah. funny same I, thing with the i think i agree. oh go ahead Derek. i i think i think that particular time that i said that was with the cutting of mm. the glass and i think that the issue is what they cut back to because they cut back to the um the guard yeah and it's the same shot of him like looking around mm -hmm. so there's not there's no progress there's not a progress with that whereas yeah. you need to have progress on both sides to build tension to there build needs tension to be something to, right yeah. so uh, here's what i will a say time bomb. the one mm -hmm. thing i do say will say about that is that there was a clock in the guards mm -hmm. cut so when we did cut to him we did hear the ticking so I think there was some element of, of oh yeah yeah someone was trying <laughs> yeah I, I don't think it was done well I'll grant you that I think the cuts were also too quick at some parts and too slow in some parts but to me honestly I know this sounds weird but I I, I chalk that up to generational attention spans 
And I think that maybe just the amount of time that a joke takes to go, you know, like there's a rule of three I, now and there's a certain beats to certain comedy, I whether it's Family that. Guy or, what, or Simpsons, or you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I always think of like, you know, the MTV generation and the quicker cuts and the MTV yeah. thing that we used to talk about a lot. I also think about uh, uh, Citizen Kane. Like, you know, the, to me, that's a movie that like is as modern and editing as most other things. And the pacing there is very modern comedic at many times. Like there's a lot of movies that do what we would consider modern pacing in comedy. Okay. And I, I just think of this as a choice rather than like they weren't exposed to that or didn't think, you know, it was. Plus to be fair, it's 1970. This is the most yeah, modern yeah. film yeah. that we've ever done. I, I will say like, I think of, so uh, an example of a similar scene, which I think totally pulled some from this, which is the scene in Mission Impossible, uh, the the first one, uh, when they're doing the high sequence, and it cuts between Tom two Cruise things. hanging yeah, from the ceiling. Tom Cruise oh, hanging yeah. from the ceiling. Okay. Uh, it cuts, like you have several things playing into that, right? You've got uh, the room temperature has to be a certain amount. Uh, he's starting to sweat the floor is of course mm -hmm. like if anything hits the floor it I goes completely off. forgot i said toast in the middle yeah, of this exactly. movie. Yep. toast <laughs> and uh and then and then there's also of course the guy holding him up there mm -hmm. who the rat is coming right. down the thing and like getting in the way so you need you need that right that's what they don't have they don't what? have the rat in the tunnel with the guy who's about to like let go of the thing and if i could build uh, yeah. on that even they are missing letting the audience in on those things. Mm -hmm. So what Mission Impossible does is they go through our training sequence where they explain that right. when your drop of sweat hits this, we're fucked. When yeah. you cross this beam, we're fucked. Right. They kind of scanned and visually implied some of that stuff, mm -hmm. but we have no idea how those sensors worked. And when they're doing their stupid like uh, Cirque du Soleil tumbling shit over the sensors and like helping each other get their feet across shit, it just looks stupid because we don't understand until we get to that wider shot and we see the other sensor that yeah. that's, oh that's why they were being stupid trying to avoid that thing so one you're right i think one it's it's like do you keep the audience in the dark or not yeah i think two it's like do you want to include the training sequence or not well i mean even just mm. is some sort of alluding to what you have to go through they try to do a little i think you're right they, they talked yeah. about maybe some of the electric eyes yeah and him, but like the, they, the, the they, long lingering close-ups on each of the cameras in that place and the training of the marksman was not great. That, <laughs> let's let's talk about that. So, I mean, you're right. Like he was training to shoot a, a very specific bullet yeah. into a very small target that would open. It was like a key, right? He was shooting a lock with a specialized bullet that was supposed to be soft enough right. to turn the tumblers with the spinning action of the right, bullet. Right. Right. Am I yeah. correct on yeah. that? Yeah. And the yeah. way to practice and the way to practice that is to take the smallest BB gun you can find, go to a very, very stupid little tiny hill in the middle of the woods, and put three targets, maybe four feet away from you, five feet away from you, maybe six feet away from you, yeah. and then shoot them and then miss a few times. In fairness, that is about how far 
he was shooting. So mm-hmm. that actually made more sense in hindsight. When yeah. we were watching it, it did, did but, seem stupid. He was training to shoot. But a it's also like very important feet. to train normally and shoot normally, but then take all the effort to carry in a <laughs> hidden guitar case, a enormous <laughs> tripod that took yes. literally 90% of the space of that guitar case. Let's be honest. Right. Yep. right? right. right. And then set up the tripod yep. in the most silent way possible yep. without adjusting and hitting any of these electric eyes or sensors. And then right about when you're about to shoot it, don't use the tripod and pull it off and do it Pocket. handheld. We'll do it live. Do it live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gotta prove you so, still got it, you know? Yep. Yeah. Gotta prove it. Gotta establish the alpha dominance over the other two in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Improvisation. Everyone loves improvisation. Mm-hmm. The jazz, the, the, these French guys, they're obsessed with improvisation. Yep. And mimes all. Oh. Yep. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, it's like uh, the the thing too is we don't get the explanation until after the event happens. Yeah, that's when we find out about right. the bullet yeah, yeah. and all this type of stuff. Well, and and why we spent ten minutes yeah. watching him with the wipes, doing right. the building right. the bullets. Right. And, yeah. 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 Is that a good to find out later and be like, oh, that's why he built the bullets? It can be. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I completely agree. It just, still, it's, like, it's a good, cho- it's a choice, but it's, a, or it's the wrong choice. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think it would have been better to have that be earlier, and then, then you still kind of need that scene where he says, "I'm not going to take the money," because it's kind of interesting that he's like, "Yeah, I'm not in this for the money. Yeah, I don't need the money. You, you fixed me. I was broke, and now you yeah. fixed me. I'm no like longer, an, no longer an alcoholic. I did not like that. I did just not need like no more money, and I'll be fine because I won't buy alcohol. Do you need food? Alcoholics still need food. Do you need Apparently rent? Not. Do you need to pay rent? I mean, look at that suit. He's fine. Yeah, it's the opposite of leaving Las Vegas. So really quickly, because we're kind of we hop back to story. I want to hop back to this actor, uh-huh. Eve Montand. So uh, he was, of course, the second big name in this thing. And you guys may not have known this. I'm going to inform you now. Mm. He had an affair with Marilyn Monroe. Ah. All uh, right, Eve. Yeah. So he was kind of like, we we made that. Co- I, I'm, Poor I Joe made, DiMaggio. I say we, but I made that comparison Arthur earlier. Miller. <laughs> yeah, right? Kennedy's. Well, I, I don't remember exactly when it, the affair was, but uh, I know that he was actually, I think, After married Arthur at the Miller. time. He, he this is late married. Marilyn Monroe, right? 69? No, no, no. So it's sometime between oh, it's before. 51, between 51 and 85. This is Joe. <laughs> 51 and 85. <laughs> <laughs> sometime between then. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Um, oh, Marilyn. But, um, but uh, he was like, I, I made that comparison between, uh, of course, the sweatiness and the alcoholicness of like last week's uh, Frank Sinatra <laughs> uh, and, and Eve Montana, but they were also both crooners. Mm. So they were primarily like, primarily like singers turned actors. Uh, I think that probably arguably, ar- arguably uh, Eve Montana actually did, did become more of an actor than probably Frank ever did. Cause Frank will, in our mind, he was in some movies, but he will yeah, always yeah. be the crooner. He sure. will not be, you know, crooner That's actor. Fair. Totally fair. Um, well, he only did like a handful of movies and then went back to only singing. Yeah. Right. He's right. known as a singer. For sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but but this guy like uh he was in uh he was in another one which is a very good film uh called The Wages of Fear in 53 he was in that um which is uh one of those it was actually remade later uh, a film called Sorcerer is what the name of the remake is that uh it's done great yeah that's no, one. nobody knows no. Sorcerer. I'm sorry, Derek. I thought you guys would hop in and be like, oh, yeah, that's that William Friedkin movie. I love it. No? Nope. All right. <sighs> well, it's a William Friedkin movie. I've seen The Exorcist. Okay. Well, yeah. So the problem with... <laughs> sure enough. Okay. The problem with Sorcerer was uh, it, it, didn't, it didn't hit at a very good time. It kind of opened around the time of another film. Uh, a little movie called Star Wars. Uh, uh, which never heard seemed, of it. What is this movie? Yeah, it seemed to have uh, uh, taken over the box office. And uh, unfortunately, yeah. the Sorcerer movie, which was not actually about sorcerers, but instead about driving trucks through the Amazon, <laughs> did, did not do so well uh, comparatively, unfortunately. It, it wasn't what you would call a blockbuster Boo, boo. Blocking boo. a block blockbuster. Well, Star Star Wars was the first blockbuster. Ah, uh, yes. So that's competition. Star Wars was the first yeah. blockbuster. Pretty sure. Jaws was not. Ooh, ooh, we're gonna have to look this one up. Well, it depends what you consider blockbuster, but I think Jaws is correct. Is the first Maybe. summer whatever summer blockbuster. Summer, summer blockbuster. Uh, but, well, this has Roy Schneider in it, so you know it didn't. Lightning doesn't strike twice, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess Jaws is credited. Yeah. The shark doesn't bite twice. The oh, yeah. it does. Does yeah. the one post, and two. The postman always rings. And three. 3D, no doubt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when are they going to remake Jaws? When's that going to happen? They've done it a million times. Have they? It was called Sharknado, Sharknado. last. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh, that's it. Or that's Deep Blue Sea. Have you video. seen Deep Blue Sea? Deep Blue Sea. Deep blue sea. Deepest bluest. My head is like a Also, there, there was a Megalodon thing, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, that was recent. The Meg. The Meg. Yeah. God, boring movie. Boring yeah. movie. Show me sharks at some point, please. As long as, <laughs> long as there's a killer fish out there, there'll always be a shark movie. It's, always, it's only about like diving. It's like diving movie. You there's know what? Piranha 3D. I want, a, I want a Free Willy movie that turns into a horror movie. Free Willy, you know, like like he turns into a killer whale and he really starts killing. Yeah. And then uh, the end of the line needs to be, yeah, there needs to be a line in there like, by this killer whale's a killer whale. Yeah. W Willie's revenge. Free Willie too. Willie's revenge. <laughs> you know, he's tired of being penned up in SeaWorld. He hates what so... you guys did to Michael Jackson's legacy. <laughs> Coming back. It's done. It's done. Are you ready to play the most wondrously fantabulous game to ever be thrust forth from the bowels of the internet? The only game we're in the web where I look up the numbers and give you the log line and you guess the numbers. Yes, there it goes! Oh, God, it's so loud. Uh, today we're going to be uh, taking a look at movies about jewel thieves. Jewel thieves? Jewel thief movies. Jewel thieves. First up, the trap. Slow down, is we gotta write. Set. The, the trap, trap is, set. is set. Parent Trap. In 1999, <laughs> directed by Jewel Heist part of that. John M. Erno? Er 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 Erno? Who cares? Erno? Entrapment. 
Entrapment. Entrapment. Love Catherine Zeta-Jones. This one does star the Catherine Zeta-Jones. What year did you say? Uh, 1999. Also stars one Sean Connery. By the way, they totally took a lot from this movie. I am the last one. There's my Connery. Except the uh, entrapment scene in this movie. Where they step with, over the with, laser with the, beams. The, the foot heist thing. That could have been accomplished maybe, uh, I don't know, with just simply stepping. <laughs> just step. Simply yeah, just, just step. Uh, just, oh, there, there's a little just, block right there. Watch your step. Just walk, there over. Was, walk over that. Yeah. That's it. That That's was true. the entire uh, laser beam. Yeah. Why couldn't the beam be higher? I don't know. So it's more challenging. Literally just walk Two right beams. Over it. Maybe one, they got to dive step. between. They got to like Superman. You know, Superman. It was really embarrassing. They both needed help to step over one beam. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. In 1999, what did Entrapment make? Derek. $13 million. $13 million, says Derek. I was going to say. Sean Connery. Yeah. $65 million. $65 million. Neither of you had anywhere near enough faith in this movie. Came in at $87 million. Yeah, pretty close-ish. Uh, not mm. really. I win. I yeah, you still failed. win, yeah. I thought okay. it failed. Was I thought it bombed. Orders of magnitude question. Bombed. All right, next one. Next one, I couldn't find a suitable log line for. Wow, um, is this the first? Yeah, yeah. Can't find a log line. Um, but in 1981, directed by Mr. Jim Henson, we have The Great Muppet Caper. Mm. I've seen this. Great Muppet Caper. Great Muppet Caper. Uh, this one stars, of course, uh, Kermit the Frog, uh, Dr. Teeth, uh, Miss Piggy, uh, Gonzo, Scooter. <laughs> Scooter. <laughs> Chuck. The sweetest chef. Yep. And so in uh, 1981, what did the Great Muppet Caper make, Joey? Ninety-five? $95 million. Ooh, I have no fucking clue Derek, this game. I went $91 million. $91 million. You guys obviously have no idea what the value of a dollar was in 1981. <laughs> this one came in at $31 million. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. God damn it. I also believe 81 was before movies were marketed at children. So like, you know, that was still kind of that time Weird. when like- So uh, adults went to see Muppet movies? Well, no, just that it didn't make that much money because not many kids were not being taken kids. to the theaters. I see. The theater was like more of an adult thing. Yeah. 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 Now we get all them Marvel movies that ruined the world. Yep. All right. Well, no more. Gentlemen, Hollywood is had it coming. In 2001, directed by Mr. Kevin Smith, we have Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Piece of crap. (laughs) Doesn't matter how you felt, what did it make, Joey? 72. $72 million, and Derek? I got really low, $12 million. $12 million. I will have to ins- uh, consult the science <laughs> computers here. <laughs> right in the uh, middle. Beep, boop, pop. Uh, yeah, that's going to be uh, Mr. Derek taking that one away. It came in at $30 million. Mm. Uh, Why'd I have so much faith in that crap? <laughs> <laughs> Headliner, Kevin Smith. Yeah, I don't think he's ever made over $50 million yeah. Really? Even yeah. like Mallrats or something? Yeah. God, no, definitely not. Mallrats was fucking yeah. despised when it came out. You're right. Um, yeah. So, next up, The Adventures of America's Most Electric Leading Man Continue in 
1988, directed by Kenneth Johnson, we have Short Circuit 2. Oh, yes. Short Circuit, Short Circuit 2. Yeah. Need Gosh. input? Well, we have Tim Blaney. Oh, I Fisher thought that Stevens, was the tagline. Michael Need Keaton. input. <laughs> no. That'd be awesome. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I don't need any input. Short games. circuit. We know. Two. We all know short circuit too. Yeah, it, yeah. He gets a he gets a uh, US visa. I just watched it yesterday. I just watched your ass. Los Lobos kicked your face. Los mm-hmm. Lobos kicked your balls into outer space. I said no. eighteen million dollars. Eighteen million dollars says Joey and Eric. I said thirty-eight million dollars. Thirty-eight million dollars. This thing has success written all over it. No way. Come on. It probably no way. This piece of crap too. It's in the it? middle. Sean, tell us what this did. Joey takes this one away at $21 million. Back in it. Tied up. back in it. Yeah, it is two and two. So luckily we do have a fifth up on the docket today. Last and final and for all the marbles. He's about to turn a five-star hotel into a three-ring circus. In 1996, directed by Ken... Boppus, we have Dunstan checks okay. in. Yeah, Dunstan checks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That checks out. Dunstan. That checks out. out. <laughs> that checks out. Uh, that checks out. Uh, uh, yep. This one stars Jason Alexander, Faye Dunner, Dunaway. These are the jewel heist movies you picked. <laughs> God, yeah. Like, what, what the, the hell, fuck, dude? man? Is there not any jewel heist movies that There's are good? There's so many other jewel heist movies. We've done movies. a lot of them. <laughs> okay. All okay. right. Dunstan right. checks in as your pick. We also had heist movies a long time ago, so Fair. that took care of a bunch of them. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Dunstan checks in <laughs> all right uh joey nine nine million dollars <laughs> says joey and derek 14 million dollars 14 million dollars well one of you gentlemen is right fucking on and uh that gives you extra credit but it would be the winner regardless mr joseph bonnier takes nine million million dollars do i know dunstan <laughs> checks in or do i know dunstan checks in <laughs> This has been the most wonderful, fabulous game to ever be. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, who gives a shit? Guess the gross. Yep, it's okay. over. Yeah, we, we Is this a sound part? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Derek. Cool. Yes, I needed a drink. Okay, so. get the fuck out of here. I'm going to change his catheter. All right. So, yeah, it's the sound segment, everyone. That's why Derek's getting up and being a douche. Mm-hmm. A douche. Douche. All right, whatever. So, we can talk, uh, Sean, about our, uh, our stuff here. So, mm. music. What do you think of the music? Um, anything special for you? It was there. Did you notice anything interesting? Um, I mean... Your Philistine ears pick up any sort of styles or genres? Not really. Nothing that, like, you know... Um, it's It was kind of matching, but everything was just so long and drawn out that it didn't really matter. <laughs> there were a lot of scenes where there was no music, I would yeah. say. This seems to be a common thing. It was in- either no music or just, like, three notes that they kept repeating. I feel like a lot of the French films we've seen have a lot of silence. Mm. I'm okay with that, um, especially in these moments because we have a lot of heist. Anyways, I could have used a little Foley in some of those heist mm. moments. Some of the just breaking in a little bit more. The 
movement, the clothing, maybe a little bit would have helped me just focus on some of the detail of the scenes. That was, I mean, not necessarily in the music, but in the sound effects, there was a lot of that where they would like really emphasize the sounds of things, doors closing. And then in the next shot, you'd see a door like slam and there would be nothing. Exactly. Like uh, the screeching tires. That was another big thing. Like when they were doing the rear projection and he's driving around and he makes a turn and like the background whips and you hear the screeching tire and he kind of like barely turns the steering wheel. <laughs> like, I would compare this to, to how a cinematographer gets upset when they see a dolly movement without motivation. Mm. It's how I feel when there's a lot of sound effects or inconsistency in the sound effects yeah, and the yeah. design where it's just not motivated or doesn't make sense. Or, you know, I get if you cut to something, you know, a different shot and the perspective's different, you change the reverb, you change the mixing, which they did a good amount of actually. They did a good job with some of the mixing here. But it's just the inconsistencies that bug me. You know, pick a rule, stick by it. Or if you're going to be subjective sound, you know, if you're just going to be the POV and the look, you know, from uh, Alan Delon's perspective, then do that. But they didn't do that either. If it makes you feel better, they did the exact same thing with the camera. It does not make me feel better. <laughs> it makes you feel worse. At least it's consistently inconsistent. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, I like some of the music. Um, I will look up the guy's name. I actually forgot his name, which is a shame. But um, I think there was some good, interesting stuff going on. There was a lot of Indian-inspired music. Now, we can get into the cultural appropriation conversation maybe later or whatever, but I think that this was using drones, you know, specifically consistent tones, just consistent throughout some of the scenes and a lot of good specific drums, Indian drums, which I thought was trying to evoke this meditative kind of allusion to Siddhartha and Buddhism because of the quote at the beginning, honestly. And Oh yeah, there was supposed to be a Buddha thing in there, huh? Yeah, but it, <laughs> it felt, again, and this is clear with the music, oh, it felt forced, very, very forced. Honestly, it felt non-existent other than the fact that you just reminded me we started staring at a Buddha in a weird quote. Well, like, I kept looking for really stuff. I kept looking back. for red circles for mm -hmm. sure. And because the quote was about how um, everyone eventually comes to this red circle and like they all kind of like, you know, coagulate together, I guess. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, is fake. He made up that quote yeah. in the yeah. beginning. It's a fake quote. Yeah. I cannot believe that. That blew my mind when I read that on Wikipedia. Derek, how is he allowed to get away with that? Making up quotes? You can't just be like, Buddha said this at the beginning of your movie. and He was the original mm -hmm. memer. I guess you could do whatever you want, yeah. but- what? <laughs> that like ruins the whole movie. I'm like, oh, Buddha said that? I'm like, that's kind of cool. But now I'm just like, you just made it up? What the fuck? You can't just pretend you're Buddha. It's like he made a movie and then like couldn't figure out how to tie it together. It, just are Buddhists pissed off? Like that doesn't happen. Okay, yeah, you might be right. <laughs> but if I was like, okay, if I was like, blah 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 blah, Jesus, and Jesus didn't say it, I just made it up. Would mm -hmm. Christians be pissed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, if it was, you know, if you did it today with a movie with The Rock. Yeah, people might like notice. I mean, it's not like a bad quote or anything, but it's just not. With yeah. Buddhist it's it's just a weird quote. It's like, what does it even oh, mean? Well, the um, uh, Pulp Fiction quote. That there's a good example. Which one? The, uh, yeah. What uh, Jewel says before he kills people. That's uh, in the Bible. That's real. No, it's like a. It's a. Combination. It's kind of mixed. But, yeah, it's but like that's a not bastardization of a bunch of different things. That but it's don't really still exist. the words are still in the Bible. 
<laughs> even if it's like five different verses are mixed well, together. You don't know that the Buddha didn't say each of those words individually. Yeah, I think this is a little different. <laughs> Never said anything like red yeah. circles. My, Why my, are they red? My voice is my passport. I don't think he said that. My voice is my passport. Isn't that uh, True Highs? Or, oh, no, that's Sneakers. Never mind. <laughs> what? Different what heist doing? movie. Sorry, man. That's wow. okay. I don't know Sneakers. You should watch Sneakers. It's okay. a much better heist movie than this. Anyways. Dan Aykroyd, his mother. Uh, so let's get back to the sound. Uh, quickly, the uh, the score was Eric Demarzon, who did a bunch of other stuff with uh, Melville. Anywho. The uh, sound design Foley stuff I thought was really good, especially just, it just was lacking in certain scenes. That's yeah. When all. it was good, it was good. When it wasn't there, it was it, notably missing. It was clear that this was a most modern movie we've done in the sound. Uh, it, I think it mostly took advantage of some of the more advanced mixers I bet they had and more tracks mm. because it seemed like they were able to really nail down a lot of the background sound, bring it down when they had to, bring it up when they had to, add reverb when they had to, move it around panning when they had to. So it seems like they just had more tracks and mixers at their fingertips uh, and, and for less money, right? Because, you know, n not everyone has a huge ass mixer in Hollywood. You know, this is France sometimes in 1969, maybe it's still... You know, they're still recovering from World War II, let's be honest. And Marshall Plan is giving them more money and stuff, but it takes some time for any sort of film industry to build up. So I think it, it, we could see it, you know, there's a big difference even between the Manchurian Candidate, which we watched from 1962 to this one. The sound was significantly better. Dialogue was better and clearer, although it wasn't that much better because mm -hmm. it was a bad ADR, which is shitty because even I can notice when it's bad ADR and it's French. Yeah. It's, that, that's how you really know it's not synced at all. Dialogue yeah. levels were a little wonky. They had were to write wonky. the volume a little bit there. That's mm. true. I attribute that to a couple other compressions yeah, I mean, and such. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. There's what mix was it? What was it intended for? And what shitty speakers are you playing it out of? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some of the music numbers, um, especially in the- Talking about the dance numbers? In the, yeah, in the especially in the club and mm. uh, Santis. Uh, at first, we, it was really interesting. I thought because we, we had the music numbers and they all kind of dressed like Lucille Ball. Or like some sort of like forties yeah, made. Yeah, it was weird. It was kind of like a yeah, like I guess like a Lucille Ball because they had like a blonde with like bowl cut wig yeah. kind of thing. It's, yeah, it's not Lucy, but it's, it's like, not a maid, but no. it's not. It's almost like it's not a, Marilyn either. Uh, who is that? Um, uh, Saturday morning or Sunday morning comic strip? Uh, Nancy. It's like a blonde version of Nancy with uh, a maid's outfit on. Mm. Uh, just, a, yeah, very weird. And the, the, it might be like something specific that it's referencing, but I have no idea. I think the use of jazz music is really interesting. I mean, I don't know why. I, I, I like it. I think it fits. Maybe it just works for me. Um, a lot of these movies I've seen, especially French movies, I just kind of use it as mood music. Like I noticed they were using a lot of just diegetic music, just in the background when they turn mm -hmm. on the radio, uh, in the club, that kind of thing. Um, but then we also get the obvious minstrel-y kind of show with all the black women dancing. Mm -hmm. um, that was a surprise because they immediately cut to it just quickly. Mm. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of, I don't know if he was trying to show something there, to be honest, or it was just kind of just, that's what the sign of the times was. Yeah, honestly, I just, I read it as like, this is now a different night. 
like to me that was because like yeah. we had the the one set of dancers that was dressed one way then we had another set of dancers that was dressed another way and then this was just the third set of dancers and it, it was yeah. a um we'll say not necessarily the most work woke interpretation of what that third dance could have been but i didn't really see it as anything more but then again i see this whole movie as nothing more than just like nihilism this is what's fucking going on yeah. so deal with it well there's no people of color at all other than that yeah yeah i mean someone in the band maybe i guess yeah but so that's that's that i mean i don't i'm i guess i'm not i'm trying to reach i suppose for a sort of, sort of racial statement i'm trying i don't know if there is one yeah i don't know that it was trying to say anything but maybe in, yeah. in the context it's just that that's the idea it's in just the, in 1969 in france they just not that you know they don't think about that stuff in the context of post-riot 2020 covid world there's a lot to be read into it right in the context of right. 1970 i don't know that there was that much to be read into it other than you know remnants of racism great point i agree yeah. Uh, that's all I really got to say about the sound. Honestly, there <laughs> you wasn't mentioned, too much. You mentioned, did you uh, mention earlier the part that you liked with the notes, the uh, xylophone notes? Oh my God, you're right. I forgot about yeah. that. You forgot about the thing that you really liked in this Thank movie. you for mentioning yes, that. Yes, no worries. Um, Describe away. So when the guard basically turns off on the alarms? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he, he's, he's like, arming. yeah, he's arming the alarms. Uh, he turns on little switches and each little light turns on. And then I think also the each little station with the jewelry turns on as well, the, yeah. the, the alarm system for it. And the music is perfectly synced each time one of those flips on. And it's really good, like, like yeah. extra, extra good, like better than we've seen in a long time. Yes. And I mean that in the movies we've watched in Celluloid Breakdown, because- I think it was just more obvious and more overt and intentional than we've seen that get yes. done in a lot of other movies. Yeah. Yes. So, it, you know, in a lot of movies, you'll get like one chime when someone turns on the light or you'll, you know, you'll get like one or two actions that are matched to a sound effect. But this was like a series of like five or six actions that all had a specific large change in the visual and a big sound associated with yeah. it. So it was just, you know, I don't know that it was necessarily... And it carried across more. the cut. That's yeah. the other other thing that yeah, I love right. is, it, is the last chime goes to like him lighting the cigarette and kind of brings the two of like the lights and the lighting kind of together. It's what you call an L cut there. It's an L cut. There was two cuts because yeah. at the beginning we saw him flick it first and then we hear the first note and then we go to the wide of mm -hmm. the of the jewelry and then we go back. So there's really three of those shots that were synced. So yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. And again, I'm just being a little nerdy here, but I think because you're right, Sean, it's maybe the first time I've seen it, this modern technique mm. in a movie that we've seen in the podcast, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's why I got excited. But, you know, that's cool. That's kind of the point of the podcast is to kind of see where a lot of these these foundational elements of film Certainly. come from. Not, don't mean to detract from it. Yeah. But no, but you're right to kind of point out the, the simplicity of it, so mm. I suppose. Because, yeah, it's something we see all the time now. It's no big deal. But you, to see it, I guess, in 1970 to me was kind of cool. Uh, I, I, what's weird is it was the only time they did it in the movie. That was strange. Like, if it was like more of Honestly, the to me, when I'm watching it, it almost feels like easier than I would be able to do it. Because at that point, you would have a band. So you would literally just be watching the cut and playing the music along in time with what you see. Rather than, you know, trying to reconstruct something the way... 
I would do it personally today. Sure. So, Although to be fair, that's the kind of thing you can do with tape. It's, it's just money. It, I mean, it's, you can do tape though. You can cut it up and- Yeah, certainly. But again, not the, nothing amazing here. They're just syncopating yeah. beats, but I just think it was classy and, I, and yeah. it wasn't, um, I don't know why, because it was breaking the fourth wall. You're right, Sean, because it wasn't necessarily like the score. It was just like these little- sounds on the xylophone. Yeah. Mm. So it was like, hey, listen to this. Look at this. Do, do, do. It was almost like it was a, It was a like nod. a commercial shot, really. It was mm. like, um, almost like we're, you know, trying to sell you something here. We're, we're opening up this world for you. And honestly, it seems out of place for a lot of the rest Absolutely. of the movie. It does, yeah. It's, um, it is nice and it is kind of cozy, but like that moment also being associated with that guard that we then just two seconds later gets tied up and we don't care about him and we never cut back like you know yeah. it's it's like making a weird sort of it was comedic tone if you will yeah yeah but then the guard was not comedic when they just jumped on him yeah and gave him a chokehold and hit him but in then the back he was of the head. comedic again trying to slam his nose into the button yeah <laughs> partially like, i mean yeah it, 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 i don't know if do you I think it's just a french comedy is different i see that's that's i don't know if that moment i is comedy or tension in the moment of the in the mind of the creator i saw it as comedy but i could also very easily see that being someone's idea of tension as well so right. it it seemed like in the movie it was intended to be tension more so than comedy but I see this comedy when a dude's trying to slam his forehead against the button. I think that was tension. I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's the whole Jerry Lewis French thing where, you know, the physical I, comedy. Yeah, I'm not, the, I'm not trying to say French people have a different version of comedy, but- I, Everyone it, does. Every culture has a different way that they, uh, different things they find funny and different ways that they interpret humor. Okay. I mean, humor itself is universal, but what we find humorous is definitely not. That's why comedy is such a hard genre because you can't sell comedy internationally mostly. You can sell action to just about any other country, but comedy is something that is really specific to its region. So everyone says Fr France loves Jerry Lewis, um, but we love Jerry Lewis too, right? No. No? No. Why not? We love Martin and Lewis. Oh. Jerry Lewis, not so much. Why not? Um, he's uh kid stuff. You know, he's the nutty professor. He's uh, uh flubber. Yeah, and that yeah. Shit. I mean, he's you know he. Uh, Are you he, flubber? He, I, I think you know once he know. once he was no longer associated with the the Rat Pack. I think that was, um, you know, a little bit uh, of a detriment to his. What, yeah, I mean, Rep I think reputation. He's, yeah, he's there you super. Go. He's so broad. Yeah, he's so broad. You, you even look at like the. But posters. French do French people like broad stuff? I don't feel like that's the reputation. It's the mime. It's that you know that it big, is a similar thing to like miming. Big physical yeah. stuff. That's the comedy of that. You know, yeah. that farce. I guess farce. Yeah, yeah. French farce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of big yeah. and silly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we solved it, guys. Yep, we solved it. We're yeah, French yeah, yeah. experts. Yeah, mm -hmm. we are. French experts. Fre fre we know why French everything exists now. Sean, take us out of this and uh, tell us about what this movie looked like. Hot garbage. Really? No, what? No. Um, I liked it. There was some stuff I liked in it. Like I said, mostly I just have a problem with the editing and the pacing of the movie. The oh, way God. it was actually shot is, is pretty decent. Um... 
with some some big exceptions. So one thing that I just have to address right away, there's like a random scene where they're in the mid, in an office and they're kind of going back and forth. And all of a sudden for no reason and outside of everything else I've done in the movie, they decide to move the camera on every single shot. All of a sudden it's like Michael Bay took over and the camera is just like on a spinning dolly and rolling around and pushing in and pushing out on every shot of these minor characters for no reason whatsoever other than like this was a boring conversation. He means the, uh, I'm sorry, quickly, the internal office, the yeah. internal affairs guy. Office. Yeah, 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 inside of his office. Yeah. Um, there's some other stuff like that where they're just kind of like, uh, seems like random things or like uh, where they like establish this tone or this pace or this style of, of a look or of the cinematography. And then they just throw in total random things in the scene. Like we talked about that good, the bad and the ugly thing earlier where all like, it's a normal scene and everything's playing out. And then all of a sudden we're dead on center framed with these guys looking us in the fucking face. Like it, it, it's, I don't know. It's like they were trying to do too much, but didn't know how to tie the things together to make it feel cohesive. It just kind of feels like, it almost feels like, um, uh, like a, a, uh, what do you call that? That like scary movie or naked gun or like, um, uh, uh, a spoof. Yeah. It almost feels like a spoof where there's like a bunch of different genres and he's like, Oh, I want to try this and I want to try this and I want to try this. And I can see that. And it just like, doesn't, congeal into its own thing absolutely i mean it's part gangster part crime part spy part drama and thriller and romantic at some parts it's just kind of not kind really. of no the romantic's not not really the comedy kind of, yeah really. kind of comedy kind of comedy <laughs> it's just it can't really decide yeah. um I, I liked just the colors. I know that sounds really cheesy. No, I, I, maybe it's just because it's nice film. And I well, yeah, like, it's it's a newer film stock than we've seen before. Yeah, so the colors are going to look different. Um, it is also a in the foreign film stocks were different than the American film stocks. Right. So you know the 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 different types of films you could choose at the time were. Uh, almost to the pinnacle of uh, production uh, right around like the 80s-ish is when we had like the most choice in film. I will say there was two shots I loved and I thought the biggest problem with them was they didn't stay on them long enough. There's one shot where they're in silhouette right before they're about to go into the heist. Where you see all the rooftop stovepipes and- In between the yeah. uh, framing of the Eiffel Tower- See, I thought that was pretty, but I also thought it was extremely out of place. It I feels agree. like a stage play. It feels like That's a, true. I just know, like the science theater sort of. It was mm. out of place. You're right because they didn't do it any other time. But I liked it. I just liked the look of it. Yeah, I it, it was, was cool. a pretty frame. The idea of, of framing because we we, I, we didn't really think about Paris. At least to me, I was wasn't like, oh, we're in Paris. We're in Paris. We're in Paris. And then you see Eiffel Tower. You see, you know, the statue. And then I was like, okay, it's kind of cool that backdrop. I, I like that shot. I thought it was pretty. But you're right. It seems out of place. Um, the other one I liked a lot was when they're in the club in Santis and um, he's meeting with the marksman uh, with Eves. And in between them are the dancers. And they cut to this really cool 50-50 and the, mar and the, and the dancers are right in between them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a cool shot. And then immediately they just go back to single, 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 mm -hmm. single. I'm like, oh, you had a cool and interesting shot there yeah. with this different, with this dancing between them. You could have had this cool like play between them and you just did single, single. I'm like, that's kind of boring. Yeah, it seems yeah. like there was a lot of that where like, you know- seems like they had some nice shots, mm -hmm. but they just didn't stick with them. I don't know. Yeah. There, I, there's probably other examples of this. I just, those are the two I, I noticed. I like the I like the one where they were in his apartment uh, 
and that's oh, yeah. also in silhouette. But oh, it is yeah, yeah. it is it is like a lot more beautiful than <laughs> so much of the other film. So it does kind of stand out. And then the other thing is to the the doorbell, mm-hmm. uh, like looking through the doorbell peephole thing. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah. my other favorite one. Um, and then we had that POV when he was approaching the trap at the end. Mm. Remember that shot? When we're approaching the the mansion mm. and we mm-hmm. had the, the whomping willows, I said, they look like oh, Harry Potter held. trees. Yeah, yeah. It was just this like steady, not steady cam, obviously, like <laughs> handheld shot just walking towards, which they had no other point of view shots like that before, I don't think. Yep. So that was a little out of place too. Yeah. I guess that was just like, hey, he's about to die. So let's, let's get let's in. be in his eyes. A lot of it feels like trying to justify things after the fact. Like, I just, I don't know. I get the impression that we were just kind of going in scene by scene and doing what we wanted. It feels like there's a lot of good movie in here, but a good editor could have done a lot. Like, like he was just trying stuff on set maybe. And he's like, hey, maybe let's try this shot. Let's try this shot. And the editor's like, oh, we got to use it. We got to use it. We got to use it. And I was like, no, you could have just completely cut that and cut that and cut that. And it would have been a lot smoother. Cut out about an hour and find some visual consistency. And uh, you might have a much stronger movie. Yeah, I think that's so clear here. I think the editor, the editing is the biggest weak point. And it would have saved this movie. That's such a cheesy thing to say, saving in the edit. But I I think it really would have Very true though. Yeah. Mm. Editing is extremely powerful. Having someone tell you no is very helpful at times, especially as a writer, director that's been on set and committed a bunch of time and effort and money to a scene and a shot. It's hard to see it for what it is rather than what you wanted it to be. Um, Derek, do you think, now I'm curious about Melville. I mean, he seems like an imposing guy. Is he that kind of guy who's going to be like, I want it to be this and this and this. I want you to include this shot and this shot and this shot. Is he? Likely, yeah. Yeah. I think he would pretty much be that. Um, is this? Does this look different than his other movies or is this consistently with, with what it he- has, mm, Yeah, I mean, I think it looks similar to, like, Le Samurai looks similar to it. Um, Army of Darkness as well. Basically anything he does in color pretty much looks about like this. Uh, Army of Darkness. Sorry, did I say Army of Darkness? I meant Army of Shadow. <laughs> My bad. Not he didn't do Army of Darkness. Yeah, that would be a real big change. Yeah, I'd be very tonally <laughs> and everything. Uh, he did another film called Un Flick, which was like <laughs> one movie. Uh, no, no, no. So this was in the either late seventies or early eighties, and it in particular. Uh, it kind of is an update, if you will, on his kind of gangster stuff. Mm. Uh, and it comes across as being a, a, a little, uh, a little, it's a little different than the others, you know? Um, so, uh, but, but around this time, they all kind of have this similar look in my opinion. Yeah. And again, for what it's worth, I thought it looked great. I mean, just the, the film maybe of it, I, I kept commenting to you guys, I maybe again, it's just 1960, 1979, mm. I'm sorry, 1970-1969 times, uh, just looks better than the ones I'm used to. Yeah, there and there's a magic to film in and of itself, and the, the this one was a little bit higher contrast, so like a lot of the blacks just kind of faded off into really harsh black, so there was a lot of heavy silhouette and things like that. I like that. Uh, I also noticed that one thing that it kind of threw me off on was his hair, though. 
His oh, hair just too. looked fake. And what was looked, up with his hair? Yeah, he looked like uh, one of those old newscasters that like dyes their hair jet black just to like try and feel oh, a little bit. Absolutely, I thought that. I thought also um, he looked like a Lego man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, just like absolute helmet hair. Totally, yeah, which was really strange. <laughs> Threw me off. I was staring at it a lot, John. I'm like, through like multiple scenes, I'm looking at his hair, like, what is going on? No, it it, it feels weird because we often, you know, make fun of actors and things for caring about their hair too much, but like, it can be distracting. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, what's his name? Volante too, who refused probably to get the his hair done was when mm-hmm. he heard he was being a douchebag on set, uh, or this kind of you know, macho guy on set. He his hair was distracting too. Mm. No, I thought it was like, oh, he's a wild man. But I'm just like, yeah, why does everyone have nice hair and you're the only one with, with ruffled hair? Are you just <laughs> trying to look cool? It's just kind of distracting. He was uh, trying to start bedhead, uh, you know, 20 years too soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we're going to move on, if that's okay, guys. <sighs> Hit it, Derek. Okay. It's called Guess the Oscar For now. All right. Yeah. This is the game where I basically say the top four categories in the Oscar year. Sell it like Sean would. Yeah. Oversell. Just basically over describe it. Try to oversell it. No, I am not going (laughs) to. Okay. All right. No, that's the reason that's the theme song. Yeah, we have. Otherwise, we would change the theme song. (laughs) If 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 it was like yeah, if there was more energy at the table. Yeah, I'm not going to steal his thing anyway. It's his thing. That's my thunder. All right, right, we're going to start with best actress. (laughs) So we got Gene Simmons, not that Gene Simmons (laughs) (laughs) from the dude. Gene Simmons has to win at this point. You know? <laughs> uh, Way the, to go, bro. For the happy ending. Liza, Mon- Liza Minnelli for the sterile cuckoo. Cuckoo? Cuckoo? Okay. <laughs> Jane Fonda for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Maggie Smith, the prime of Miss Jean Brody. And Genevieve Bujold for Anne of the Thousand Days. I'm going Gene Simmons. Was it Genevieve de Bujold? Genevieve Bujold. Yeah, I'll take that. Just the most French sounding name you can think of. <laughs> the answer is Maggie Smith. Mm. Way to go, Maggie Smith. Yeah. Maggie Smith. I uh, knew it wasn't Jane Vonda. Professor McGonagall herself. Also Downton yeah, Abbey. Yeah. Right? No idea. Yeah, also Downton Abbey. We're a very famous yeah. British actress. Famous British actress. I've never been to Downton Abbey. <sighs> D- Downton. Don't say that. Best actor. Best actor, we got John Voight in Midnight Cowboy, Peter O'Toole, Goodbye Mr. Chips, Richard Burton, Anne of the Thousand Days, John Wayne, True Grit, Dustin Hoffman, Midnight Cowboy. Two I'm going Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman and John Voight. Yeah, I'm comedy. pretty sure it was Midnight Cowboy, so I'm going to take uh, John Voight just to even it out. It's not fair. They got two best actors in the same yeah. movie. One yeah. should be supporting. What'd you say? I'm sorry. I said Voight. I said uh, Hoffman. The answer's John Wayne mm. for True Grit. Ooh, John Wayne as Rooster Cogburn. I just wanted to say Rooster, Rooster Cogburn. Yeah. That is a great fucking name. Do any of us have points? No, no, that's no, weird. Okay. <laughs> Good game. Like most Good people, <laughs> we're we're all losing. <laughs> very true. Like that's very true. Okay, best director. Sidney Pollock for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Uh, Costa Gav- Gav- Gavras for Z. Never seen Z. 
uh, or heard of it, Arthur Penn, Alice's Restaurant, John Schlesinger, Midnight Cowboy, or George Roy Hill for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? I'm going with the the Hill for the the, the Butch, Butch Cassidy. Cassidy. George Ooh, Roy Hill. Arthur Penn. The answer is John Schlesinger for Four. Midnight Cowboy. God, I knew that one something. <sighs> He's winning here. Get it? See what I did? No, I didn't. Because he says he's, I'm walking here, and I said he's winning because he because he won. That was improv, apparently. It was mm-hmm. right. The taxi. Yeah, he's been yeah. sitting on that since he started the show. I absolutely have not been sitting on that. On like, a that taxi? was so bad. You, if I was sitting on, throw that at us. it would have been a lot better. Jesus, if I was sitting on something. Okay. Best <laughs> picture. <laughs> Best picture. Z. Hello, Dolly. Anne of the Thousand Days, Midnight Cowboy, or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Sundance. Butch and Sundance, the early years. I'll go cowboy. The answer's Midnight Cowboy. Whoa, somebody got Damn a it. point. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Good game, good game, good game, Woo. good game. It's called Guess the Oscar Picks. Cut that for now. Stop it. I don't want to listen to that anymore. Yeah. Well, if you put some energy <laughs> in and maybe make another song, you uh, could have a better thing. For I'm you. not good at music stuff. Yeah. I'm only I'm, <laughs> I'm a, not good at music. Stuff. I'm only average. I'm only average at music ing, musicing, musicing, making the musics. Yeah. All right. Let's move on, guys. I'm Moving tired. on. He's tired. We're almost done, actually. We are. We're close. We really don't have much else to do. We just have kind of miscellaneous and errata. Make it sound like a chore. Well, <laughs> just hang out there, guys. We almost got through this. We're, yeah, we're almost done. Don't worry. Relax. Here's the you're, thing. Is, you're, you're close to the end, guys. Just hang in there. I'm just sympathizing with the audience. Now, I know how they feel right now, so I'm just making sure they feel the same way. They can just turn it off, man. No. How dare you? Don't they turn could it just, off. They could just down. Yeah. There's more to another episode from any of the other Fawcast Oh, yeah. Uh, shows. We've, We've got, got a um, lot out there, right? Yeah, Don't we not on South Park. Guys. Yeah. Uh, Power Tinkering. Yeah. Wild Wild West World. Celluloid Breakdown and what text before calling. Yeah. I just yeah. chugged a lot of coffee. I'm going to get some energy. We're back in business. Check out all the shows at the Patreon slash Forecast. Donate. Most of us are unemployed. Uh, Half but, of us. Yeah. Uh, soon to be all. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see what goes on in the future. So, Derek. Yes. Any miscellaneous errata? I don't have any miscellaneous errata. Actually, no. I don't have anything. How about you, Mr. Fall? French pool sucks. What the fuck? Yeah, without (laughs) pockets. What the heck is going on there? How do you know who wins? You don't. One, wait, one red ball and two white cue balls? That's the game? Apparently. What the fuck? Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. it. I think it has something to do with like hitting one ball and then hitting the other, but hitting a certain number of banks off the sides in between and stuff. But it's like, you know, it's a lot easier just to count how many go in the hole. Obviously, it's a red circle, the red ball. Right? Maybe it's a sphere. <laughs> it's the closest we're going to get. <laughs> Derek, did you notice any other red circles? Um, the chalk he does on the queue. Yeah, just just that, just the chalk thing. Um, yeah, I didn't notice any other red circles in this. I the thought, beginning one, I guess, doesn't really count. I, I thought the there was sequence. one um, with the cigarette. 
this is a stretch. Oh, okay. Now the cigarette is what they shared together, right? When they first mm. met, right? That's the whole idea of the red circle. If I'm trying to put that together, right? The idea is Maybe. these guys, the, the idea is you meet with fate into this red circle, right? These two guys happen to meet together to accomplish absolutely nothing and die for no reason. Right. I'm trying to justify a fake quote anyway. I know. <laughs> I know. Ugh, so it doesn't make much sense. This is like Kevin Bacon style connections here. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But I think the idea is they shared a cigarette. So the, maybe the burning of the cigarette, if you look at it oh, a certain way, it looks like a yeah. burning of the of a circle. That ain't it. Uh, that ain't it at all. Still like why? Why why were none of those like necklaces ruby? That would then be a red circle. Because you're a better director than Melville? <laughs> Maybe he's going more subversive than I would go. I would just be like, uh, I, would, I would have that and then I'd have one of the characters go like, look, it's a red circle. Mm. Yeah. Because the only way for people to get theme is if you just hammer it on their head. At every opportunity. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, not errata about this movie, about another movie. Um, apparently, the quote from Pulp Fiction, the <laughs> Bible quote from Pulp Fiction, is actually almost directly taken from another film, uh, a Sonny Chiba film called Karate Chiba, Chiba the Bodyguard. In that film, Sonny Chiba... <laughs> has almost an identical misquote of that particular passage. So so it's mm. not even his own necessarily words. It's a copy of a misquote. It's a copy of a misquote from another film. Congratulations. Which is actually kind Tarantino. of... Very well, Tarantino. It's what I, he does. I was also going to say very appropriate for the Bible. Oh, multiple interpretations. Yeah, just, you know reinterpreted, rewritten, reconfigured. It's word of mouth that sure. is a big telephone game. Yes, the Different. prophets of Chiba and Tarantino mm -hmm. that we all know of. They're, they're holding the reins at the pearly gates. <laughs> I'm willing to grant Sonny Chiba prophet status. <laughs> yeah, he gets it. Tarantino does not. No. Does not get prophet status. No. Not yet. Only if he does a Star Trek, which apparently is not going to happen. So. It's not going to happen? That's what the last I heard is that's mm. that's no longer on the books. We're not going to fucking space. I know, right? Can he <laughs> like, say what the heck? As long as he can say the he N word in CSI. space, he'll be fine. Yeah, he, he just, did a CSI. He did a CSI. He did a CSI episode back in the day. Yeah, he directed. Me. A lot of directors do that just because they do so many of them. They need to shuffle people through, so yeah. like. It's an easy way to get credits. Ironically, the entire thing took took uh, the entire thing was just over a dinner table, like uh, a whole whole episode, <laughs> whole CSI, <laughs> whole CSI episode was over a dinner table where everyone accuses each other of like committing the murder. Chuck Hughes. Mm -hmm. But there was a shootout at the end, right? Yeah. No, no, oh. no. Just a, a standstill. No, then, no. This is CSI. The shootout is first, and then mm -hmm. we discuss it for an hour. And then they discuss it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The okay. other thing I would like to discuss is um, smoking a cigarette in a trunk. Mm. <laughs> yes, let's let's discuss that, Sean. Hot boxing. What do you think about that? Is that a good idea, Sean? I mean, you know, I've I've had worse ideas in my life, but uh, that definitely, again, that's like those moments where I'm just not sure if it's comedic or if it's like 
obliviousness or if it's just like, yeah, that's what we would have done because it was, you know, at the 70s and everyone's French and we like cigarettes a lot. Let's be clear, though. That's a big uh, danger of carbon monoxide poisoning, right? If you're just in the small space smoking a cigarette by yourself. I don't know if it's monoxide or, or uh, dioxide with yeah, the cigarette. Maybe. Definitely um, like sort of oxygen deprivation. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> we can definitely agree there. <laughs> Just why? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, the, the, I'm sorry. The, not the check-ins. What am I starting? The, uh, the checkpoints. Checkpoints. Checkpoint. Checkpoint Charlie, Checkpoint Delta, Checkpoint Echo, Checkpoint Foxtrot. We got all the checkpoints. Two. We got two checkpoints. Yeah, we only got two checkpoints. We only I got know. two. That was the disappointing You were part. upset. I'm you sorry. were upset about I'm checkpoints. Sorry. We should have had a third checkpoint. That's right. Rule of rule of three. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Needed a third one. It just well, they, felt strange. Yeah. They set it up. They set it up. And then nothing. Like they built up tension, they established that this is a thing, and then it doesn't go anywhere. Just like the fucking girlfriend with the mole. Like they just kept kind of, I don't know if it's red herrings or just like incomplete filmmaking. <laughs> I think more the latter. Mm. I think this is a big issue I forgot to talk about in the sound is is that moment at the second che- uh, checkpoint is that he, um, the cop goes to about, you know, to try to check the the, the trunk. Mm-hmm. And then he says, oh, I, 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 the key doesn't work. Or yeah, you yeah. get the right key. And then he gets uh, distracted by something else. That and- whole thing had like no music. It only had the diegetic music of the um, of the car, a little mm. bit of the jazz that right. was just playing. Right. That would have been a great time to use the diegetic music to add tension, to have it build or some sort of rising tension in the music. So when you do approach the trunk, you're like, holy shit, there's something. In, there's a guy in the trunk. Yeah. Let's have the music represent that. But instead you just get this jazz and it yep. just doesn't make sense and big yeah. missed opportunity. Yeah. yeah that, and then the cop just walks away and that's the, oh, you can move, you can pass. Yeah. And that moment doesn't feel like anything when you're watching it. It doesn't feel like there's any tension building. It doesn't no. feel like, oh, he's about to reveal. Cause you don't know. First off, you don't know if he saw the guy get in the trunk. Then you don't know if he cares that the guy is in the trunk. Then you don't know if he like knows the guy, if that was part of the plan and they were supposed to meet at this restaurant and he was supposed to get in the trunk. Like right. there's just so many reasons to not latch on or care about that moment. And, and that's then, a good moment too. Yeah. It's like a yeah. Hitchcockian, you, you know, you know, there's a guy, whatever, a bomb in the, under the table or something. And they com- he didn't really do it. He didn't do it justice. Yeah. And it's a shame because he does know tension. Like Derek said, there's a lot of moments where they did draw out tension. So he knows what to do if he wants to. He certainly knows how to draw things out. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> so I think that, uh, you know, it's not like he's not aware of these techniques. So he just didn't use them. Yeah. yeah that's all. Okay. Um, Sean, any other miscellaneous errata before we review this, baby? Um, trains stop way quicker than I thought. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah, yeah. If you're doing, if you're driving around France, apparently you can just turn the wheel very slightly, and your car basically turns 360 degrees. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. But when you're driving straight, you gotta turn the wheel a lot. Yeah. And yep. you only need a little, little tire squeak. That's all it does. Mm. Yeah. All right, we're bitching. French invented invented drifting. <laughs> French drift. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's do this, guys. Let's yeah. rate the film. Uh-oh. Um, Derek, we're going to go to you first. So hopefully you are ready with mm. your, your new scale. Are you yeah, going to go your, your uh, season two scale? Um, oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to do this. Start start doing it out of 16. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm going to do it out of 12 still because I can't do math. <laughs> okay. 
<sighs> do what you please. All right. Because Tim's got it out at 24 now. So Who cares? Do Tim's not here. Do yeah. what you want. Daddy's right. not home. Well, you know, whatever. It's really mom. I'm going to go with uh, eight out of 12. Okay. Um, okay. I think, uh, well, let's say eight and a half out of 12 because it's a little better than the one we watched last week. Uh, Damn. Just from, just from level of craftsmanship, some level of knowledge. Uh, uh, I should mention which one we watched last week. Manchurian uh, Candidate. The Manchurian Candidate, yeah. Uh, just from the level of like directorial craftsmanship, uh, this has more of that. Um, I do think that uh, obviously I don't like the ending. I think that the ending is always the weakest part and the trying to hammer home this very simplistic philosophical idea doesn't really hold water. I would rather it almost just be just a blanket like crime caper kind of thing but with more of a uh, of a of a conclusion that I enjoy, it reminds me of obviously we watched Rafifi a while ago. There's oh, a lot of Rafifi. I, I got that too. There's a lot of Rafifi in this. Like there's the silent uh, the silent heist portion, and the ending reminds me of how I felt at the ending <laughs> of Rafifi. Empty, um, <laughs> empty, and yeah, and and you know I I mean I feel like these things were needed. Uh, in like the 30s US, right? When we when we had all those crime things where they were like basically hammering home, crime doesn't pay, you know, and like things like the original Scarface and things like that. We're all the way into the 70s yeah. now. What's going on? This is not, you know, like you don't have to, you don't have to hammer home, crime doesn't pay. And then if you do, you don't have to have a, uh, a, a kind of hero cop so does a hero in quotes, cop, so to speak, right? Who's actually doing kind of, in some regards, pretty bad things too, you know? Um, it, it just, it, yeah, the, the ending sours it. There's, there is some good parts. There's like good sequences and stuff. Um, but I don't think it holds, it, it, it's cool like on a first viewing and there's a lot that like uh, students could pull from this, for instance on how to like uh, set up a scene, how to like focus in a lot on like, uh, <laughs> the guy's really good at in, in inserts, for instance, right? The guy's really good at like showing like little things and like details of the handcuffs in the, in the train car, right? That he has to pull one. the handcuff up so that it looks like he's still attached to it yeah. while he's trying to sneak out. Things like this, right? Um, so there's stuff to be taken from it, but overall, I don't think it, stands up to repeat viewings. If I was going to go back to it, I'd watch like, I'd be like, oh, I should watch that train sequence again. Like if, cause it applies to some movie that I'm working on, you know, and that's okay. pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Sean, what you think? Um, I'm going to go two out of five stars. I thought about going one and a half, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, not a good movie. Not something I'd want to watch again. Not something I think anyone needs to watch for any real reason. Um, there are some, like, decent concepts or ideas. Um, but as we said, like, everything just ends up seeming so haphazard and uh, just kind of um, an accumulation of things and randomness rather than a cohesive unit or 
uh, consumable structure. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay for what it is, but I, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> it's no, it's not good. It's not good. Um, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to give this a six out of 10. I probably should give Damn. this a five out of 10 to be perfectly honest. It's um, like Derek said, it's got some nice scenes. It's got some nice stuff um, once in a while, but overall it's pretty boring. It's a tough watch. It's, it's not, fun. it's not fun. Um, the characters are pretty meh. <laughs> there's not a lot of interesting people to hold on to. Uh, there's not, I mean, yeah, it's cool. The James Bond ass French guy is cool for like a few scenes when he uses the pool cue and kicks some ass. It's nice. Seems like he starts to get interesting a couple of times and then just never pulls through. No, he doesn't. And then at the end, he just dies. Yeah. Just falls in the grass. Just falls in the grass. And that's it. Yeah. Um, like Derek said, the philosophy is pretty fucking lame. All people are guilty. Okay, thanks. That doesn't help at all. <laughs> wow, really good one. Especially 1970 when Vietnam is in its throes and France, you don't have a lot to stand on with Algeria and uh, <laughs> what's going on with you in 1970. So- uh, all men are guilty, really, Melville? Is that what you think? I mean, that's a little fucking stupid. So um, maybe he was trying to say that. Maybe he was not trying to say that because maybe he was trying to make you empathize with the criminals and that, but that didn't seem to be the case either. So uh, your mixed messages was not well taken, Melville. Sorry. Um, they criticize you a little bit. <laughs> I'm gonna put you on blast, Melville. He's probably a little upset after Army of Shadow the year before didn't do so well. So he was probably like, "Screw everybody! I'm gonna make this really like angry movie about everybody sucking." Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, maybe possibly. Uh, yeah. It just didn't seem. <laughs> didn't have any sort of message. Um, even if it was all men are guilty, it didn't really say that. It said it like no, twice. Yeah. Like the inspector said it once, and they talked about it at the end. Yeah, it, one the, character we didn't care about and said it. Like, it's not like he was the voice of reason. Yeah. In fact, if anything, he was a weird, crazy dude. Yeah. So it just seemed very out of place. And then at the end, actually, the final scene was really just uh, Inspector Dick knows just driving, yep. like thinking about it. He didn't really say it was good or bad. Uh, yeah, just okay. So. Yeah, don't watch this. No reason to watch this. Um, but like Derek said, there's some good scenes and there's some interesting techniques. So there's some stuff to watch on YouTube. Yeah, like a scene or two. Yeah. Like, like the heist scene maybe too. Like the yeah, parts some, of it. There's some cool stuff. There's some cool production so many movies design. have done it better since though. Like if you're trying to get yeah. inspiration. Honestly, yeah. Rafifi's probably did it better. True. Which was before this yeah. actually. And yeah. it, it, you know, more quiet. Yeah. Cool. Man Escape. Man Escape. I was about to Man say. Escaped, Man yeah. Escape, what? Almost 15 years before this? Yeah. yeah. Did it better? Right. Right. 13, whatever. Right. It knows how to build tension. Brisson, <laughs> y'all. That's Brisson. Yeah. So, yeah, watch Man Escape instead. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else? We, we promoted everything already. Yeah. Yeah. Check out all the Patreon. shows. Patreon. 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 Ah, check out all the shows on the podcast network we've got going down on South Park. That's what we're calling literally literary, politicking, uh, Wild Wild Westworld. And uh, yeah, going over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, donate some money. Keep these things on the interwebs. Um, check out uh, Joey at J-O-E-B-O-N-I-E-R on the uh, Twitters. Don't. And... Uh, just, yeah, just leave us now. alone. Yeah. God, just leave us alone. Tell Please. No, Tell I like the hate. hate this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate like the hate. Give me some hate. 
I deserve it. Yeah, he likes hate. Yeah. Yeah, just send all your hate to Joey. Yeah. DM me. Slide right into my DM. He just ignores him anyways. He ignores my DMs. I do. Slide into his DMs for saying slide into his DMs because that's just slimy. That's just just creepy. Sorry. It's just bad. And this before I ruin my own reputation. He's good. He's good.